0: Welcome to The Culture Connection, a podcast connecting you to those making waves in culture. Authors, celebrities, filmmakers, politicians, influencers, and wave makers that all have one thing in common, living a life committed to Christ and trying to encourage others to do the same. This is an extension of the Christian Index, America's oldest religious newspaper, and a ministry of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And I'm John Graham, your host... And I'm so glad you're part of the conversation. Have you ever felt like someone took your life away from you? That someone or something has hijacked your peace, and no matter how hard you try to center yourself, you just can't? Well, our guest today says you're probably right, and you're not alone. In his new book, Get Your Life Back, best selling author, counselor, and in my opinion, the Obi Wan Kenobi of men's ministry, John Eldridge, helps walk us back to the pace. And the peace that God intended for our lives, John. It is such an honor to speak with you today. Yeah, thank you, John. I'm really delighted to be on the show. Absolutely. Now, tell us why this book.
1: Well, I um, actually didn't intend to write this book for the public. It was something that I needed personally. I um, I got fried. I got spun up. I just I started noticing the um, the way the world was just robbing me.
2: Mm.
1: I get home at night and I'd just be cooked. I just be so toasted by the end of the day. Like I'm a reader and I had stopped reading. I, I love mountain biking. I'd stopped writing. I, I started noticing that I'm, I'm giving up all of this real estate in my, in my human life because I'm so plugged in. I'm so overwhelmed by the world. And I'm, I just want time out, time out. I, I don't want to live like this. So personally, yeah. I just started changing some things and, and really kind of fighting to take my life back from the chaos of this crazy moment in time that we live in. And it was so helpful. It um, began to help my friends began to help our team that then I thought, you know what, as an act of compassion for all of my all of my reader friends out there, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta help people get out of the madness.
0: Well, it's, it's most, I mean, most assuredly a, a, a pervasive problem, uh, and I think it's gone up exponentially as we've gotten more digitally savvy. H- how has social media, especially, made this problem worse?
1: Right? Don't, don't you think it's gotten worse? Oh my don't? gosh,
0: absolutely. Well, for one thing, in my pocket, I've got about five different ways people can get a hold of me, I mean, a phone, <laughs> WhatsApp, you know, messages, um, emails. And then I've, I wear it on my wrist as well. Um,
1: yep. it, it's just crazy.
0: And, and yeah,
1: we are way plugged in. Yeah. We are over plugged in. Yeah. And then, so, uh, part of my training, what I do is, uh, as a therapist, um, and I, I began to be really concerned about some of the data, you know, there's increasing anxiety and depression in the U S and especially among younger people. Um, and then the research, John, that correlates that to the use of social media. Mm. So like dire- direct correlation in yeah. research between the amount of social media you consume and rising anxiety and depression.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm like, Wait a second! Wait a second! Like I'm doing this to myself, right? <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm not handcuffed to this. Like I, I could make some choices that that to get out of that. And so, yeah, that was that was that was really pretty alarming to me. And 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 obviously, obviously on behalf of of the culture that we live in, like people are not well.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was I was reading your introduction, and I, I gotta be honest. I mean, I get books like by the droves. There are a few that I skim through, and there's a few that I want to just camp out in, and yours happens to be one of those. Um, But this introduction, you you talk about how, you know, we read in the scriptures how people had to find time to get away, and and there are people from years and years ago, centuries ago, that that had to find places of retreat, and they didn't have cars that go 80 miles an hour. They had to walk (laughs) everywhere, and yet they still felt like that pace was too much for them. How much more so we are dealing with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a collective madness. It's a, I mean, cause we, we all have jobs. We all have responsibilities. Our kids are in sports, you know? And so we have all been swept up into this collective pace of life that nobody is enjoying. Yeah. You know, nobody says, man, I just love the pace of my life. <laughs> I, 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 I love how frantic this is. But, but then I began to notice like, so, like in the Gospels, for example, when Jesus, um, you know, says Jesus left Jerusalem and went back up to Galilee, and we just think these events go boom, 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 boom. You know, healing, miracle, preaching to five thousand. You know, casting out this, doing that. Nope. <laughs> it, actually, to get from Jerusalem to Galilee is a three-day walk on foot. Yeah. And and so there's this downtime and i just i i just that just blew me away i'm like oh i i don't have downtime there is no downtime well and and i saw that that yeah go ahead
0: well you know i didn't mean to interrupt you there is a pace that god's intended for us i mean you talk about that in scripture and it's exactly opposite of what we're living
1: what is that original pacing well <laughs> This is going to blow people's minds. So for thousands of years, so you go, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you, know, you go through all of the stories, you go, Daniel, Joseph, David's life, you get into Jesus, disciples, Paul, Peter, James, John, you know, all those people lived at three miles an hour.
2: Mm. Wow.
1: Three miles an hour because everybody walked everywhere. Yeah. And, and we just, it's just helpful to say our moment is not normal. It's not kind to make human beings race at the level that we're racing at. That's that's actually not, not the design. And and then pushing a little bit more into like, into like what Scripture has to say about the pace of life. I noticed I was listening to an excellent, excellent series on Sabbath and learned that the Hebrew word Shabbat um, actually means stop.
2: Mm.
1: And I, I, I was just busted. I'm like, Oh, I never stop. <laughs> I, I don't ever stop. I, I go from phone call to phone call, meeting to meeting, email to email. And I go and, and Jesus said, that's right. That's your problem. You don't ever stop. So he, he began to show me a way out starting by pausing in my day. And he, he said, John, I just want you to take a 60 second pause, you you never pause, you, you never rest. And the cool thing is I was reading some brain research on this. If you will just pause in your day, 60 seconds, let it go, just sit there. It actually resets your concentration and your ability to focus. So I began to do it. And for me, the first place was at the end of my day, I'd pull in my driveway and my truck, turn the engine off. But I realized I don't have to jump out and race into the next thing. I just sit just sit there. Yeah. 60 seconds. You know, everybody's got a minute. You can do a minute. And in that minute, I could just feel how spun up I was. You know, I was just wired from the day and i don't want to take that into my house i don't want to take that into my marriage and my family life so i just sit there and just be still and and realize oh man this this shabbat thing is actually pretty wonderful this, mm. just stopping in your day has been a it's been a huge
0: rescue that's amazing yeah now you actually you designed an app uh, because we're so connected, you designed <laughs> an app to help us disconnect. Uh, tell us a little we about did. that.
1: Okay, so the the pause story goes on. So I started enjoying the pause so much, I realized I don't I don't have to make the next phone call. When I hang up the phone, I can pause for a moment. Maybe pray for the person I was just talking to. Maybe I need to release them to God. You know, mm-hmm. I can pause. I started sharing it with my staff, and they loved it so much that every day in our building, at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., monastery bells ring out throughout the building, and everybody stops. We take a 60-second pause.
2: Mm.
1: And it seems so simple, but the power of the reset is really wonderful. So then we said, all right, let's try this. We're going to build an app. And uh, because everybody's living on their phones, right? And they need help. They need help, so let's offer the help where they are. So it's called the one-minute pause, and it guides you through a very simple practice of, you know, just pausing and then releasing, giving everything back to God, and then praying for His restoration, praying that we would be restored and renewed by His presence in our life. And get this, John, 40,000 people have downloaded the app.
0: Well, as of today, 40,001.
1: All right! <laughs> <laughs> It's super helpful.
0: It really is. It really is, and you know, it, it, if nothing else, to hear your voice calming me, I, I'm. It's worth every penny, and of course, I didn't pay anything for it. But it's it's so yeah. wonderful. Now, how does it? It grows beyond this. I mean, you, you you encourage folks to go beyond sixty seconds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because once you get a taste of it, and you kind of get your, you literally get your soul used to it. I had to get used to pausing, but then on the app, there's a three minute there's a five minute and there's even a 10 minute. And when we put the 10 minute pause in there, we're like, Oh, nobody's ever going to use that. Like not in this world. That's crazy. I, and people are loving it. It is. And uh, the fascinating thing is a number of people are using it to go to sleep at night. Mm. Like it's the last thing they do um, because it helps you detox. It, it helps your soul get out of the spinning chaos of, you know, it's just too much media, too much information, you know, like you said, too many texts, too many FaceTimes, just, you know, yeah. Uh, it's, we're, it's just too much. And so somewhere in the day to, like, give your soul some space to be a human being again, uh, it's, yeah, it's awesome.
0: Now tell me about the idea of benevolent detachment.
1: Well... Okay, so this, this is deeply connected to the pause, and th- and this was all a process that Jesus has been taking me through in the past year. Um, I would come to Christ in, in a time of prayer, and he would he would say, give everyone and everything to me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. Yes, Father, I do. I, I, I give everyone and everything to you. But I did I wasn't really doing it. So he kept saying it for like six months. <laughs> he kept saying, Give everyone and everything to me. And I realized that we are because we're so plugged in, everybody knows about the coronavirus, everyone knows about the fires in Australia. You probably heard about the earthquakes in Turkey. Everybody knows about the impeachment hearings. You know, we're way too plugged in. And that the the fact is your soul was never meant to know the news of the world. Mm. The human soul, the human soul is about village sized. I mean, we're, we are meant to know and care and carry and pray and share the sorrows of a small community of people, but the, but we were never meant to be subject. Like we're literally subject to the onslaught of the crisis, tragedy, trauma of every community on the planet. Yeah. And, and so you know, First Peter 5, cast all your cares upon him. I didn't know how to do that. Jesus had to show me how to do that, how to pause in my day and let it go. And so benevolent detachment, benevolent, because I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not resentful. I'm not doing it because, because I'm checked out. I, it, it's in kindness. I need to detach. I need to untangle. I need to let the world go. And, this this also has just become so wonderful to pause, you know, sometimes at the end of my day or Stacy and I will do it at bedtime for sure. And we just we just say, God, like we can't carry it. We give you the news about the virus, we give you the news about the latest shooting, we, we mm-hmm. give you the politics, we giving this over to God, what happens is your soul has room to be aware of the presence of God again in your life. It's, it's like Augustine said, he got, if you empty yourself of everything that's currently cluttering you, then you have room for God.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. I think this is a message that uh, our culture is crying out for, John. It's a very timely book. Um, I've just felt this in my own life the past few months. I, I have, have had a habit of listening to talk radio uh, on my commute, 30 minutes both ways, and and it's just nonstop onslaught of news and headlines and weather and traffic and everything that's terrible. And I have found myself stopping doing that just putting on some sort of peace, meditative kind of music. And I don't miss it. You know, it's a, it's amazing. I don't need to know the traffic snarls on the other side of town because I'm not going to drive through that, you know. Right. It's just been bizarre right. how, how much peace that's offered. So, uh Incredibly timely. way
1: to go way to go let's let's get seriously let's give that a big shout out people <laughs> if you are if, if you are listening to talk radio and and god bless the folks who do it but you probably don't need it and yeah. i i need i you know i i i listen to the global news but i listen very little very i mean i really um regulate the amount of input, and, and and then you get all those push notifications, you get all that stuff, and I just don't open it. Don't yeah. open <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, you get you get to be a human being again. You're not a machine. You're not a smartphone.
0: Yeah. Wow. Now, you talk in your book a lot about meditation, and that's an idea that I know specifically the evangelical church is not very comfortable with. They tend to think that's all Eastern, uh, you know, philosophy and religion ideas. Help us out here. Talk about meditation and the the Christian discipline of meditation.
1: Yeah, you just you just read the psalm. Psalm one. I love Psalm one, and it says, "How blessed is the man who does not take the advice of sinners, or walk in the way of the scornful, or sit in the seat of mockers." But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Mm-hmm. And what I love is the description of this person. This human being, it says they are like a tree planted on the riverbank whose leaves never wither. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would love to be evergreen. Mm. I get so fried. I get fried by the world. And and the difference is the attention. And in fact, actually in Psalm 1, it contrasts, it says, Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the next wind blows away, the next, you know, piece of bad news, the next crisis, the next political turn of events, just blows those people away. They're just taken out because they're not grounded. They're not rooted. And here's the fascinating thing, John. The difference between those folks is, is the tree, the flourishing person, is able to give God their attention. They meditate. They linger on. They, they are able to hang out a little bit with God and with his word. And part of what started this whole project, by the way, I was reading Nicholas Carr's book, uh, The Shallows, What the Internet's Doing to Our Brains. He almost won the Pulitzer for it. And in that book, the brain research that's coming out now, the Internet is literally deteriorating our brains and our ability to concentrate so that people can't. People don't read books anymore. People don't read articles. They can read a blog post maybe but most people only read the first paragraph of blocks. Is that crazy? Yeah. Like, so it's happening to us, and we're turning into that chaff, and I said to myself, no way. I'm taking my attention back. You can't have my attention. Hmm. I want to be able to give God my attention, for heaven's sake.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: Now, you, you uh,
0: Explain the idea of the new Tower of Babel.
1: Well, it's okay. So it's this. The thing is, we are in love with the internet. We are in love. I mean, this was just last night on my phone. I I, I have a I have a sports addiction to global soccer, and uh, I love I love the World Cup. It's just one of my weird things. But um, but last night I'm like, hey, whatever happened to that player who used to play for for Liverpool? And I, you know, you, we, we just do this all the time. We just grab our phone hit Google and look things up. And, and I just went, wait a second, do I really need to know what happened to that player that <laughs> used to play for Liverpool? Yeah. Like the new tower, the new tower of Babel is this, it is the, it is the intoxicating allure of knowing everything. Mm. Like we, we, you know, when we hear the scandal with the Russian pre- president, you know, we want to know about, it. so we Google it. Or when we hear that, you know, the, the how much the fires have burned in Australia. We want to know about it so we get more like we the internet and and this intoxication with information is the new tower of Babel. It's it is utterly godless because you just look at the fruits. Jesus said you shall know them by their fruit. Do you come away from that a more a more loving person, more peaceful, more centered in Christ? <laughs> like, Oh. No. Yeah, right. We we yeah. No.
0: Okay, so another idea you have in your book is pursuing the real versus the digital. I mean, I think I can figure that part out, but put put some meat on that bone for us. What what is that about?
1: This is, is going to help families a lot because the, the 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 parenting challenge of the next 10 years will be um, helping young people love what is real mm. and and get out of their tablets and their phones. Yeah. Because right, right we we've, we've all been sucked into this artificial space. We live our lives in this cyber world and human they, in in the west people are on their phones 5 to 9 hours a day and they spend 3 of those hours using apps. <laughs> and I'm like take a walk play golf, get out to the batting cages and, and hit some, hit some balls, like do real things that, and, and this really actually has very much to do with the health of the human soul. The human soul is meant to inhabit the real world. Mm. We learn all of our lessons from the real world. We're shaped by the real world. You know, that, the fact that, for example, that you can get blueberries, you know, 12 months of the year, that kind of thing is just bizarre <laughs> because it, it, it teaches people you don't have to wait for anything. You, there's, there's no lessons learned anymore. So um, what I'm encouraging people to do in, your, in the evening, at some point, the technology gets turned off, you know, whatever it is, 8 p.m., 9 p.m., give yourself that last hour of the day and just do something real. Take a walk, do a puzzle, listen to music, you know, bake something, cook in the kitchen, because the interaction with what is real actually heals the structure of your brain. It pulls your brain back out of that fragmentation that the Internet's doing to it, and it begins to increase your ability to enjoy your life.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it it sounds wonderful, but it also sounds to some, impractical because we are so addicted or dependent or whatever in the continuum there on all of our technology, on all of this uh, fake digital world. Where can folks start, John?
1: Start with the one-minute pause because it's doable. 60 seconds, folks. 60 seconds Your Your soul really thank you for this. Yeah. And, and John mentioned the app, <clears throat> you get on the app store for iPhone and Android. It's called the one minute pause by ransomed heart. It's free. Uh, and, and, and just begin there, like just pausing in your day and beginning to give everything back to God. I'm like just stop in the chaos and go, Oh my goodness, I give this madness to you, Lord, or, I give my frustration to you, or i just i give my worry to you i I give it to you and just sixty seconds. everybody yeah. can do sixty seconds yeah you're gonna you're gonna love it
0: yeah, and as I said, the very soothing, calming voice of John Eldridge will walk you through it at the, and it's it's uh it's quite it's quite uh mystical, and so I'm so grateful it's, for that It's
1: very healing yeah, yeah it's very healing.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, John, where can folks get a copy of your book and stay in con- connection with you and your ministry and all that?
1: Yep, we're out. Uh, so wherever you know, wherever books are sold, wherever you like, to, whether you shop online or in, in brick and mortar stores, it's uh, it's out there. And um, and then if you just want to find us, uh, we do a podcast as well. So you could when you wherever you search your podcast, you could type in John Eldridge, and you'll find our podcast.
0: Wonderful. Well, John, as this dance music takes back over, it seems kind of counterintuitive to our discussion, but we are so grateful for the few minutes we've had with you. Uh, Reminder, listeners, the book is called Get Your Life Back. It's from Thomas Nelson, and the app is simply called The One Minute Pause. And I want to thank you, listeners, for being a part of the conversation. Be sure to visit us at christianindex.org. Learn more about the work of the Georgia Baptist Mission Board at gabaptist.org. And until next time, this is John Graham bringing you the culture connection.